0: Hi everyone and welcome to ABCs of Anesthesia for YouTube and podcast and today we've got a live viver with Deer. Um, So we'll get cracking very soon. Now the usual disclaimers, so this is just general medical advice for exam purposes. Uh, Please don't treat your patient with this advice so make sure you any specific patient you you take the advice of your treating team and specialist. Uh, and that's Disclaimer, let's get started. So thank you so much for joining us, dear. Um, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you at?
1: Uh, um, I'm a uh, trainee reg in uh, Wellington Hospital.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um,
0: oh, I think I must have um, uh, interviewed one of your colleagues recently.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> that's good. Two people from New Zealand and I think I've just had one person uh, from, uh, from Australia so far. So this is good. And is, so, um, is any, have you done much Viva practice so far?
1: Um, a few in the department.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And is anything particularly that you want to work on or keep in mind for this session?
1: Um, so kind of the feedback I've received so far is about keeping things concise, mm-hmm. you know, and not, you know, not over-verbalizing.
0: Okay, good. We'll, we'll try to keep that in mind. And and, and at a point, let, let's say if we if you, if you I do think you're over-verbalizing, I'll say, hey, rem- remember what you said or something like that. And uh, it, it's probably worthwhile okay. to keep that in mind, but um, that's a common thing. I think we all did it when we started and... Uh, we'll, well, let's get started. So what I'll do as usual, I'll put a... I'll read out the Vyvesend, but I'll also put it in the chat and we'll give you a proper two minutes to kind of get your thoughts about that. So I'll just type it in now. And just for everyone listening, it's a 90-year-old female, left hip fracture from high-level care nursing home. Presents to emergency department in a small rural hospital with no ICU and, say, two theatres. On, the, um, on the admission note from emergency, there's a whole list of uh, comorbidities, ischemic heart disease, atrial fibrillation, type 2 diabetes. Patient has minimal function, mostly in a wheelchair due to deconditioning ex-smoker 20 years ago, and mild dementia. Medications include clopidogrel, warfarin, uh, statin, ferizumide, aspirin, vitamin D, and some eye drops. Um, and the diabetes is also uh, controlled with metformin, which I haven't included in that, but I'll include it later. So the question is, what do you wanna know in assessment? And let's, uh, yeah, take two minutes. Now that's about two minutes. And just for other people's learning, um, what did you write in your two minutes?
1: Um, so I wrote basically I wrote a summary of what the patient is. So and um, I wrote down my mnemonics for uh, pre-assessment I and am, a couple and, of ma- management things.
0: Fantastic. Well. Actually, can you, can you share with us what what did you do for your yeah. mnemonics and yeah?
1: So. Um, I've got a general mnemonic for these situations, which is um, patient, personnel, and place, and yes. patient is divided into um, presenting complaints, past medical history, so PPP, MASA, so presenting complaint, past medical history, effort tolerance, meds, allergies, social history, and anesthetic history/surgical history, slash surgical history. And then I've got a thing for ED, which is Basically, based around resource access, blood monitoring, and alert us. And who do I alert? Surgeons and blood bank and so on.
0: Okay, good. Uh, I love that you've got frameworks. So we'll leave it at that. And it'll be interesting because your framework sounds slightly different to my frameworks. But hopefully, I remember when I first had framework, certain frameworks, they modified over time based on the fact that some situations would have things that I'd had to include in my framework. So it'd be interesting if any of my frameworks have stuff that yours doesn't have or vice versa. So this will be good learning for both of us. Uh, Okay, let's crack on. So what do you, first of all, they'll say, Candidate, do you understand the question? And if so, what do you wanna know on assessment?
1: Sure. So, um, I'm concerned about the patient, the personnel I have available and the place where this management is taking place. Uh, The patient is a frail, elderly, comorbid woman for acute surgery. My concerns with her in particular around her frailty, the fact that she's anticoagulated, um, has multiple comorbidities, including ischemic heart disease and diabetes, and the fact that she's got dementia, so I've got issues around consent as well. Um, In terms of personnel, this is after hours, ED in a rural hospital. So, I'd like to ensure that we have the personnel available to treat her should she need to acutely go into theater. And, place. So, given this patient's comorbidities and general um, medical status, I would question whether this is really the place to be treating her or whether or not she needs to be referred on to a tertiary center.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in terms of, you get down to emergency. Let's say uh, let, let let's give you that. Uh, this patient looks very sick, and you do call the tertiary hospital ICU. Said definitely not for ICU, um, but they're happy to take this patient. So let's say you transfer with this patient to a tertiary hospital, and you and you and you're there because it's the it's your parent hospital, and you're able to work there uh, as the on-call person for this hospital as well. Keep going. What do you want to do?
1: Right. So. In terms of assessing the patient, I'd like to know a bit more about the mechanism of injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's wheelchair bound, I am just curious to know how she broke her hip, was it from transferring from her to bed or yep, whether f- it was a-
0: fall from her bed. Her,
1: right. Uh, I'd like to know if she has any other injuries that we uh, need to be aware of, did she hit her head? Given that she's anticoagulated, that'd be quite important to know um, in case there's any other sources of bleed and like that need to be monitored. I'd also like to know about her past medical history. In particular, I'd like to know about severity and stability of her ischemic heart disease, um, type 2 diabetes, diabetes control, and in terms of her atrial fibrillation, is it continuous? Is it something that is it paroxysmal? And with the smoking, does she have a history of COPD alongside that?
0: You mentioned severity and what, uh, what What do you want to know about the diabetes?
1: Right. So in... In terms of the diabetes, for the severity and stability, I'd like to know what her uh, control has been like. So if she's got any hba one cs on file, I'd like to see a recent one, Um, as well as how compliant she is with her medications normally, have they changed recently, Uh, whether she's regularly followed up for her diabetes, or whether it's, uh, and I don't see any insulin in the medicines list, so that's a good sign, but I'd like to find out a bit more about that as well, um, in terms of, what her doses of anti hyperglycemics are. Uh, In terms of the ischemic heart disease, I'd like an idea of what her um, effort tolerance is, Uh, whether she gets breathlessness, angina, get an idea of what she's able to do before triggering those symptoms, and whether she's had any previous interventions or ischemic events related.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. good. Um, is there anything else you want to know about the diabetes? Um, yes.
1: Yeah, so the other thing about diabetes is are there any micro or my- macrovascular complications? So what renal function is like, whether she's got retinopathy, yeah, um, you know, the on- yeah. onset and duration, essentially.
0: You do your assessment. Um, yeah. You find out that the patient did have a stent, say, 10 years ago, and that's why they're on the um, clopidogrel and the aspirin. Uh, diabetes is very well managed. The blood sugars has been fantastic. HbA1c has been, been really good as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else? Uh, also, um, sorry, you do and you do do a trauma assessment uh, with the ED team uh, that's that's present, and everything else looks normal uh, you know, d- from that primary survey point of view. Right. Any any investigations that you want?
1: Yes. So, in terms of investigations, uh, I'd like to see bloods and imaging. Bloods, I'd like to see a full blood count. Um, she's got a number of chronic diseases, so she may have anemia of chronic disease. Urine electrolytes, because of her type 2 diabetes, I'd like to keep an eye on that. And a coagulation profile, she's on warfarin, so I'd also at the same time be um, getting in touch with hematology about reversal of the warfarin and management of that in the clopidogrel. Um, and likewise, I'd have a chat with the surgeons because she's a high-risk patient for their <laughs> surgeon. Anything else? Um, Other investigations would include pulmonary function tests because of her um, smoking status, if she's got any on file. And um, in terms, and if she's had an echo at any point.
0: great. um, The Hb comes back at 70. Potassium is 2.8. Echo five years ago shows aortic stenosis with a valve area of 1.1 square centimeters. Uh, the, the INR is two, and that's probably about it. Her heart rate, when so you've done an examination with the trauma survey. You do notice that murmur of aortic stenosis. Heart rate is 130. She has pain and bibasal crackles that are pretty mild at the base of both lungs. The surgeon wants to proceed to theater. What do you say?
1: Right. Um, I would say this is a high risk patient who's. Uh, got a quite a significant risk of bleeding in the first instance i don't think she should go to theater immediately we should take the time to manage her anticoagulation first um and ensure that she's otherwise optimized prior to <coughs> prior to surgery um to do this i would as mentioned discuss this with the hematologist begin her on um so, this is since the surgeons are keen to get this underway. Uh, for her warfarin reversal, um, usually it'll be a bit okay, but in this situation, I think um, fresh frozen plasma is probably.
0: If, if you had a li- list for me, yeah. um, maybe three things that you could optimize right now, or would they be?
1: Excuse <coughs> me. Um, So in terms of things I could optimize, uh, I'd ensure that she's got good access and begin some fluid resuscitation. Um, Start uh, counteracting the anticoagulation and ensure that in terms of her diabetes, keep an eye on her blood sugars because she's probably not had anything since she's had her injury.
0: Okay, HP of 70, what do you wanna do about that?
1: And yeah, so that was the next thing I was gonna mention is in terms of a hemoglobin of 70, ideally with this patient's history of ischemic skin heart disease, I would prefer that to be higher. Um, and again, would uh, discuss with the hematologist's blood bag, but I would uh, aim to be giving her a unit of blood.
0: What are, you aiming, what are you aiming at?
1: <coughs> Given her ischemic heart disease, I would be aiming for a hemoglobin of 80 and better.
0: Okay. Because of the ischemic heart disease, do you want to aim uh, higher than that?
1: Yep. So 90 would be my...
0: Uh, Sorry, I
1: should, I, should, I should mention that. 90 is the cutoff there for my ischemic. Uh,
0: is there any guidelines that you know about with, in terms of... Uh, there what...
1: is. There is, but I've forgotten what they are. No, that's all right. Uh, I've forgotten the name of them.
0: Good. Uh, tell me, how would you reverse this warfarin effect?
1: So, for reversal of this patient, um, to be honest, if this is the middle of the night, I would discuss it with the surgeons and see if they're happy to put her off until tomorrow.
0: Uh, it's not. It's, which not way- it's not the middle of the night. Say so it's just daytime. Oh, sorry. Okay.
1: okay. Um, if they can put her off uh see see how much time they can put her off for but the reversal for the warfarin could be is a combination of mm-hmm. uh vitamin k
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and if i need it done in a hurry at prothrombinex
0: good give me doses definitely
1: human human hematologist prothrombinex will be 50 units per kg
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the vitamin k i'd have to check with them because i can't remember that uh, dosing offhand
0: okay when are you ha- uh, what would be a preferred anesthetic plan
1: Um, for a lady like this, um, given that she's also got some dementia, my preferred anesthetic plan would be to give her a general anesthetic.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's say it's mild, let's say it's mild dementia. She's following instructions. Sure. sure.
1: Uh, so the options here are in, uh, neuraxial, so spinal or a general anesthetic mm-hmm. in this lady, given that we are... You know she's we're still uh, fighting her anticoagulation mm-hmm. um and it may be a prolonged period for an elderly woman to be uh staying still mm-hmm. i would still consider a general anesthetic for her
0: yeah sounds good um is there ev- any evidence for spinal over general
1: um Again, I don't remember the study, but uh, neuraxial is just for post-operative pain relief and uh, reduced yeah. length of stay.
0: Excellent. Um, what is your cutoff? So let's say this patient ha- does have a you know INR, uh, uh, you know, that is two. Well, what's your cutoff for the INR? Considering, let's so, say, we, we haven't considered the um, clopidogrel in this situation. What is your cutoff?
1: Right. So my uh, INR cutoff is, i discuss it with the surgeon because they have uh, often quite a range where they'll operate, but 1.5 would be kind of my cutoff.
0: Uh, do, do you reckon your cutoffs are more conservative or less conservative than the surgeons?
1: Depends on the surgeons, but. Uh, no, that's um, why
0: I, I won't push you on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's an interesting situation. Now the patient, uh, you find out from the advanced care directors that the patient is not for active resuscitation in terms of, uh, you know, CPR, defibrillation, intubation, inotropes. What do you do about that?
1: So you said as an advanced directive.
0: Yeah, they've got an advanced care, care directive, not, not for resuscitation specifically, not for chest compressions, intubation. Uh, right,
1: so that, that's fair enough. And advanced care directives are legally binding documents. Um, uh, usually done when the patient is compost isn't able to um, create them. So, as such, I would follow the, the edicts of the of the document. And so would if,
0: you would you intubate this patient then? If the advanced care director says not to intubate and no vasopressors, how does that
1: right? Um, I as I understand it, the, the intubation and interventions are for in acute life-threatening situations, not in the general course of treatment, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But I would, I would clarify that with the lawyers, just to ensure that I'm not mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, let's say you crack on with uh, a general anesthetic for this patient, you decide to suspend the N- NFR because it's, it's theater and theater is not the ward situation. And it's resuscitation. Um, good. Now, as you're into the, you're well into the case um, and the, you notice that the blood pressure has trended down to uh, 60 millimeters mercury. What do you, what do you do about this? Let's say you've got a tube in, you've got an art line at the right level. Uh, what do you do about this?
1: In a patient with ischemic heart disease, this is concerning, um, I would bolus, so in a patient like this, I would also have pressures running running 0.5 mg per ml of metraminol, bolus in 1 ml, um, increase my rate of fluids and see if that improves the blood pressure.
0: You get a temperature improvement, <laughs> but this, let's say, goes up to 80, goes right, right, right back down to 60.
1: Okay, so uh, this is, especially in this woman. I would uh, call for help because this is this is potentially a peri-arrest situation. I would communicate with the surgeon, see if there's a, another cause for her hypotension, like bleeding.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you, you ask the surgeon, you tell the surgeon what's going on, and they say that they've just been cementing.
1: Okay. So then my differentials here are bone cement implantation uh, syndrome, a fat embolism, or again, just... Uh, covered blood loss and I'd have a look around to see if there's a pool of blood on the floor and in the suction.
0: Okay. So you've done your first management steps. Uh, what do you, what do you do from there? Blood pressure back to 60.
1: Right. Um, so increase my rate of pressures. crank that up, give her, continue with the fluids. Um, for if, if it's bone cement or Fat embolism, it's, the management is, is supportive. Mm-hmm. So I would, in the first, and oh, I'd increase my oxygen to 100%, um, ensure that there's no issues with ventilation. So I'd, I'd work my way down. We've got an airway in, mm-hmm. see if I can ventilate it comfortably.
0: You can ventilate it. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then see if I can temporize the in, in low blood pressure.
0: In spite of to, your rising metaraminol use, and you've given 500 mils of fluid, let's say, at this stage, blood pressure is still trending down to 60. What do you do?
1: Okay. So this is definitely now a worrying situation. Um, But this woman is also not for recess. So I have to bear that in mind as well with my management. Mm-hmm. Um, she has got an arterial line. I'll send off uh, arterial blood gas, check what her hemoglobin is, um, check what her uh, pH and her electrolytes are. Is there anything else I can fix? Blood sugar levels as well.
0: Okay, good. So you send it off. Blood pressure is still, you know, now, now at 50. What do you do? So this, this, this is obviously a really kind of tricky situation. Right.
1: Do you have it? right um okay what? so I'll, I'll i'll try other things i'll try the metrominole i'll try some adrenaline at this point i would Fantastic. give her yeah I, i'd start with 100 mics and then titrate up mm-hmm. with the idea that this is a perrier situation so i'll be ultimately I have to give a milligram if, if i'm going down that pathway
0: okay so did, how much do you give right now
1: yeah i'd give her a milligram she's 50 already so
0: okay that's a lot though are you sure now now obviously when I, I as an examiner I say are you sure what do you, what do you reckon I'm I'm saying
1: oh, oh, so uh, so I'd start with 100 mics
0: okay but good
1: <laughs> titrate upwards
0: it, like... have you ever had this situation where you keep increasing the aramine, but it's just not working and so what's happening there especially with this patient with ischemic heart disease is you you know like hypertension is preload rate rhythm contractility afterload and I really try to think about those things as you you know you probably do as well uh, you've addressed the preload, you've addressed the afterload with the metaraminol. have it, you know, better check the rate, make sure that's not going crazy. And it's in some weird rhythm. Uh, who knows if they've gone into VT at this stage, So you know, check the monitors as well. Um, but, but the other thing is then being, being able to give drugs like ephedrine to improve contractility may be the solution. Um, and you know, if you don't have a central line in which you wouldn't for this case, you just don't have an indication of that. Um, I like the fact that you, then you said adrenaline because I'm like, yep, you know, at, at least you, you're, you've done your alpha, you've done your fluid. And now we're considering what we need to do for beta agonism. Um, personally, I would have gone ephedrine first. Um, 100 mics. I, like again, opinion, opinion means nothing. Uh, check with your colleagues. To consider the scenario, but I, I, I'd probably err on the side of the 50 mics or less of adrenaline first, because 100 mics IV in a you know in a non-nephalactic scenario, I am quite certainly it will give huge problems. Plus the patient's got a- aortic stenosis. So, you know, I might be a bit gentler with that. Um, but was well done. It's, um, yeah, this was, this was one of the worst situations you can, you know, like it's, 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 it's the NOF patient elderly with so many comorbidities. And I mean, you, you've, you've had, had lots of these, I expect just like most of us doing anesthetics. You're good. Um, so I, I thought I'd go through, I, I think there's, um, I really, I really like the way you have these frameworks and, you know, you can, you can attach lots of good knowledge to it. Now, one of the one of the things I wanted to address is as a, as a matter of you know te- technical improvement was um, w- I, I like the fact so the first thing is for me when i when I say assessment of the patient, what do you want to know in assessment? I'm not really going to go to the other situational stuff though if the question was even broader, what do you do when you arrive, that to me is I'm going to think patient pathology um, and procedure plus the environment environmental stuff and who do I need. So I, I think of those five things if I arrive. Uh, so that's the first thing I was wondering if, in your classifications, if you had procedure, but I suspect you've done that with patient now. So the first thing I do, sick patient equals trauma assessment. So I would have said that at the start because uh, you didn't say the word trauma assessment, which is not a problem. You said other really important things like, you know, what's the mechanism and, you know, I can sense that you're, you're doing a trauma assessment, but the word trauma assessment means many things. And then the examiner can then probe if necessary. I like that you talked about severity instability. And, and I would have just given a few more things a bit faster, you get away with a lot in this exam with the delivery of the material. So type two diabetic, I would have probably said, look, i check the, I'd assess the severity and stability of the diabetes, including, you know, regular control. What are the medications they're on? If they're on insulin, HbA1c, any micro, macrovascular complications done and i've got that out in two seconds ischemic heart disease again i probably wanted more um things like you know what is their current function what have they had intervention wise any complications from that um and do they have ongoing angina heart failure and then recent studies ecg angiography, and echo and stress tests recently and those things i can list off really quickly it shows a full gamut of severe instability and complications as well uh and then we move on so uh, so that was good. So then I, I, there was a lot of things in this patient. And you know how at the start, I, I, I didn't prompt you on this. They, they, I think uh, your feedback was um, previously, oh, you know, you might ramble a bit. And, I, and, and when, when I, I gave you a lot of things, uh, which was suboptimal, and I reckon a list would really suit that. So imagine, you know, imagine the vibe you got the situation where there's just so much stuff going on, which is this case. Um, I would have probably listed it personally. So I, I would have said something like, there's a lot of things that need to be optimized. I w- uh, you know, I'm happy to delay for a short time frame, knowing that this surgery should be done within 24 to 36 hours, as per many guidelines and the recent AAGBI guidelines. And I'll put a link to the um, AAGBI uh, 2020, not for hip fracture guidelines, uh, because that's a fantastic resource and we'll have a lot of this stuff. So the things I want to optimize HB, potassium, anticoagulation heart rate which is 130 with the af um and then any other assessments of pain management as well uh and those are probably the things that i'll talk straight off the top as things i could optimize within 12 to 40 24 hours and um you know sort it out like that uh, offering data you know i would uh, again, offering values um, allows you to move on quickly. I'd reverse with proton, X 50 units per kilo and vitamin K 10 milligrams. Those are, those are values you probably need to know though. Other things are more specialist like, uh, you know, recombinant factor seven amounts potentially. Um, th- th- surgery is always less conserved. So, uh, so, you know, most surgeons operate, you know, less than two where a bit more, you know, we have a bit more issue with that this is orthopedic hip surgery, not neurosurgery or, um, you know, intra, you was know, it intracavity back surgery, like um, laminectomies and things. Whereas we have a 1.5 cutoff, which you rightly said, which is great. Um, I, I go, AAGBI is a fantastic resource and I, you know, like the NFR stuff they have I, it really changed the way I thought about it. Because I think they were the first document I read, which was just really comprehensive. We either continue suspend or modify and often, the argument is these are ward decisions. Everything we do is resus in theater. Therefore we suspend and or modify, very rarely continue. So I don't get into any more discussion than that. That's just how, how we do it. Um, and then finally, yeah, um, bone cement implantation syndrome. So I think you did a lot of good things there. You know, the, uh, you, you, probably, you, you know we mentioned um, my four phase in the Vive in the Bootcamp, check your reading, talk, talk to the surgeon, which you did. Um, you know scan scan the patient monitors surgeon and potentially get help which you did as well which is very good when things started to get bad um, you temporize av- absolutely well fluid metaraminal increase exactly what you normally do uh, and then talk about differentials i think this is the fact that you talked to the surgeon fantastic i offered you the fact that this could be cement implantation syndrome so you went straight into that management and then the one thing i'd say is you know just rising metaminnol might might be a problem which we've discussed already Um, but it is supportive management you're worried about airway breathing and circulation in this in this Um, and then we didn't get to the point of giving you know chest compressions or whatever but then yeah limitations of care and quality of life would be discussions to have and definitely that's something i would then you know how do you approach that you get colleagues in as you're doing the resus and you have some time limits because you want quality of life um, but yeah, very challenging multi-factorial Viva. Um, yeah. A- any questions there?
1: No, no, that was all, that was all really good feedback. Thank you. Uh, Excellent. I made several notes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I find that the viva you know, you're in this position where so much information is getting thrown at you. I have, I'd have a system where it, so, as, like in this situation, as soon as something's not optimized, boom, potassium reading 2.8, write it down, HP 70. Great. I transfuse up to 100 according to these guidelines. And according to the trick study, which is medical patients in ICU, ischemic heart disease transfuse above 100, I believe. Anyway, the AGBI guidelines say above 80 as a standard, um, above 100 for ischemic heart disease patients. That's probably useful to, as, a, as, a, as a reference. Um, no, but I feel that was really great at the end. Again, thank you so much because I, I think it's so great that people get to hear what this interaction is and learn from it and, you know, learn from what you've done well and the things where you want to improve with. So that's fantastic. Cool. Thank
1: cool.
0: you very much. No at all. Okay. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Um, please share with anyone who might be interested in this. And uh, yeah, we'll have lots more of these final exam drivers, uh, yeah, for your for your viewing and listening. See you next time.